1: This is Bruce, this is Trav, and this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on
0: the Frontier, your podcast of finding yourself in the middle of a firestorm and saying, no, we don't fight people, we're here to help.
1: Just need you to turn your head and cough. Everyone get in the line, everyone get in the line. Turn your heads and cough. Yeah,
0: please, please, lo- please lower the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, plaz rifle, <laughs> we're, we're not. We're not here to give you that kind of help. You know how the, you know, in every in every like big bad guy situation, he's like, you know, uh, I'll I'll release you if you <laughs> if you do this thing for me, and, and 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 you'll be able to rejoin your wife. And the guy's like, oh, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. He's, you know, oh well, we killed your wife, so we're releasing you to death, so you can join her in the afterworld, right?
1: Uh, it's always so kind. Yeah.
0: I, I mean is I'm always like, and you didn't see this coming, right? No. You just thought the guy was everybody h- had been saying all these bad things about him and you said, you know, I'm really sure this guy's gonna is gonna keep his word this time. <laughs> okay. So Oh anyways, uh welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about EMT teams, you know, which may be uh maybe cuz uh basically emergency medical teams first responders people that take a specific role in your uh, your adventures okay and 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 essentially it is a campaign in and of itself okay um we're not talking about how you you can build them as npcs surely and that can be a lot of fun to have them interact with you all right but um uh, but we're talking about actually, you know, being the team, being those people and, you know, how, you know, what what kind of uh, role-playing goodness does that bring out that you wouldn't normally have in, let's say, in any other version of the game, right? So, because you're not going to be treasure hunters, you're not going to be uh, uh, traders, okay, you're not going to be military you know, take down the big bad. You know, and you know, and, and you're not going to be. Uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, at this point. Uh, you know, well, treasure hunters and finding the 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 magical MacGuffin that solves the problem is kind of the same thing, but not necessarily. I mean, some so one's a little bit more high concept than the other. So, uh, but anyways, that's uh, we're talking about people who's. Primary, primary job is to go into a critical situation and make things better, okay, for as many people as possible. And that doesn't mean everybody, you know, while at the same time not, ma- not getting yourselves killed off or so endangered that you can't continue as a character, okay, because we, you know, we're not, you know, doing the... Uh, the core, where you know they they kind of sent these people on a one-way trip to the center of the planet to uh, <laughs> to to kind of get the the core started again, so we'd we'd have a, a an electromagnetic shield to the planet wouldn't get fried by the the sun. Uh, the uh, you know the whole time I was like, this really is a one-way trip, folks. You know, but they uh, you know spoilers they they do manage to get out. Okay, so it's yeah. but I'm just saying this is that you know we you know we're not talking about Kelly's is the Kelly's heroes uh the dirty dozen the dirty dozen for sure where they were they weren't expecting to get out but you know they mostly did anyways uh so that's got to be part of your um modus operandi when you do this so uh so basically uh trav why don't you tell us about the different kinds of critical situations that an EMT might be called into to deal with.
2: Well, I mean, you have obviously endemic illness situations, like a sudden plague, an outbreak, as it were, um, a poisoning, like, and and I'm reminded of the the thing from Toy Story, somebody poisoned the waterhole. No. Um, Like, you know, the Joker putting Joker Venom in the the city's reservoir, so you got to deal with all that.
0: Or well, em- remember in the in the one uh, the first Batman movie uh, with Michael Keaton, he actually had had tainted all the uh, uh, all the makeup.
2: Yeah, and the, the deodorants, and yeah, all the toilet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, also, a zombie outbreak because a lot of them are viral in origin those type of zombie outbreaks and EM an yeah. EMR or EMT team would be really good for, uh, Trioxin,
0: if you get the, if you get the substance in you, it's like a prion and it just changes you. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. also natural disasters, fire, flood, you know, earthquake. And you can refer to our episodes from long ago on dealing with disasters in a role-playing game to hear more about the various things that we plotted. Yeah. Uh, any time well, where well, hold on a
0: second, you know those episodes in particular talk about how those uh, those particular things interact with the players. Yeah, it keeps them from their goals. Okay, so you know if you're in the middle of a firestorm, okay, uh, uh, like say a, a huge fire eating up you know a forest. Then it's not going to go away overnight, and you're going to have to you're still going to be trying to do good in that situation well, yeah. it's going it, it's 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 one of those things where you don't just say oh well, you know it, it there was fire it burned out, and now we're going to go and and try to help the survivors okay you may be in the middle of it while it's happening
2: well I'm just saying that you can the the listeners can refer to those episodes to help right. deal with this more to coincide with what we're going to talk about tonight. So yeah, yeah
0: natural how to simulate them in yeah, the game.
2: Yeah. Uh natural disasters, man-made disasters, like you know, building collapses, vehicle crashes, um yeah, any
1: space in, in, elevator in, crashes.
2: Okay, yeah, we we can go there. Shuttle in that case, shuttle crashes, you no. Know. But basically any situation where there is a threat or reality of Loss of life and limb, you know, in one way or another. These teams are created to help deal with it as it happens.
0: Okay, all right. So, uh, 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 Jonathan, uh, talk to us about the uh, the other ones that are like things, things, things that are not like a plague, but they're more like a uh, a corruption that's been uh, placed upon a, a, an area
1: well if you've had a wide scale nuclear exchange you're going to have possibly global fallout but then you've also got the more magical uh things like global curses or even smaller you know wide scale curses um vampire invasions werewolves um and even again even like zombie you know uprisings mm-hmm.
0: yeah be- because they're not always you know biological sometimes they're result of something that can't be explained by, you know, biology.
1: Well, so, but you, you could also have some biological ones as well, because I can also right. I think well, that of, like... Right, that falls
0: under the plagues. That's why, but, I mean, there's other ones that require... You can't go in and say, you know, here's a here's a zombie cure. Let me give you the shot. You know? Right,
1: but I, th- I think you could have a situation where you have, like, a, a suddenly new, newly evolved, uh, like, mutant creature that's the new prime... Uh, new alpha uh, predator. Like, okay. it just evolved randomly somewhere on the planet, or not randomly, it depends, but it is just such a apex predator that the, you know, the the locals cannot handle it. Like okay. a super bear.
0: <laughs> Alright, okay. Yeah, the, the reason that, you know, I was uh, referring them under things like curses and such, because they they tend to spread like a disease, but they can't be cured. Like a disease, is it, it was the kind of the point I was trying to yeah. make there with that that category. Okay, so uh for you know, and and and, and for example, in the list, like vampire. Okay, vampires. There's over a hundred different vampires. You know, in almost every country has their own version of the vampire in this world. So you have vampires where, you know, like the the Dracula, where he literally has to intentionally make you into a vampire. Otherwise, you're just food. Okay? But then there's other ones where if you get bit by a vampire, you're coming back as a vampire. All right? You know, unless you get destroyed. Uh, This was in um, uh, um, Innocent Blood, where her her back... Her ongoing thing was always finish the food. In other words, always blow the head off the person you just sucked the blood out of because they'll come back as a vampire and there'll be competition for you. So, you know, and of course now you might want that. You know, if you're somebody who's trying to take over a planet, you know, you might very well say, all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll clean out the riffraff later. Let's let them do whatever. You know, they bite, you know, and it, it just, it basically spreads uh, you know, uh, well, depending upon how they do it, I mean, they literally are just going around biting everybody. That it's going to be a huge, not a geometric, but a uh, power progression. Okay, uh, werewolves. Uh, anybody who's bitten or clawed by a werewolf. So if a werewolf gets into a crowd and just starts clawing people, you're going to have a ton of werewolves showing up. It's sometime in the future. Might you know? Sometimes it's the next night. Sometimes you have to wait until the Uh, The rising of the moon, you know, the the next full moon, you know, legends vary, but the point still is, is that, you know, you have this ongoing, you know, thing where if you don't nip it in the bud quick, okay, then it's just going to get out of, it's going to, it's going to get out of control because there's, it's a lot easier for them to infect than it is for you to cure, Uh, you know, even, and and there's only so many bullets, which is what, which is the main thing that's always been with the vampire, the zombies, it's like, okay, you know, there's 300 million people in the United States. Do you have 300 million bullets? Is it, are you going to be able to hit one per, per brain cell? Because usually in these stories, you end up with like 95% conversion rate. So there's a lot more zombies than there are people. And if they're the kind of zombies that don't just, you know, run out of their own personal body food or whatever, they're just, they're, they keep going no matter what they're not they're not really alive and they don't rot and they just keep us somehow they keep getting the energy to continue and and hunt and, and, and pray and things like that well you know that's a really really hard thing to deal with and not the issue that we're not the problem we're not trying to get rid of them remember we're trying to help the people that are being preyed upon okay so i'm just saying so we have a whole lot of, of different types of plagues uh, uh or disasters or curses that you you might run into. Um uh, do any of you guys have you thought of any other things that might fall into categories of of, of uh damaging causing events? How about uh, uh, how about the, the Triffids, where everybody got got struck blind?
1: There's that and I also thought of um the uh example from uh, well, the one, the one thing that first came to mind was the blob, okay. the classic, you know, some alien life form crash lands and it's incredibly hardy and it eats and multiplies like crazy. All right. And then that led me to the other idea was something along the, the trifids is like an, a, you know, an alien fungus kind of inspired by like Alpha Centauri or, um, the UFO aftermath video games where earth is being colonized with this alien fungus, okay? And it just spreads like wildfire, and and it's hard to kill. And even if you do manage to kill it, it just grows around you and takes you out anyway.
0: Well, I mean, is it attacking
1: people? Not specifically, but it is severely harming the environment. Okay. It it it, it, right. it pretty much if 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 an area gets taken over by it the. Ox- the like oxygen content drops to to near zero and all sorts of other toxins into the air. I'd have to go back and play and look at the if there is any lore for the game. I don't know if there is right. but that kind of idea right. is like you know an alien terraforming project basically, but in this case it's just an alien life form
0: right right yeah there was a um, a book I can't remember the name of it uh but essentially aliens came and seeded the planet with these like Fifty or fifty or seventy foot tall plants, and they just kept they were just grow and grow and grow. And um, the 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 few people that were left, uh, what they found out was is that when they were in their uh, full state, uh, they uh, uh, well actually you know they uh, they uh, as they were growing, they could basically cut into them, and the inside of them were hollow and they would get inside, and they'd live off the inside of these plants, like, you know, as a a parasite. Uh, The problem was, of course, was that when the fall came, or, you know, the growing season ended, and they were at their maximum size, and full of, you know, good, juicy, you know, tissues and stuff like that, then the aliens showed up to harvest it all. And uh, they, uh, uh, and that kind of got rid of almost everybody else. So, it was uh, more of a story of... So the, but these, these plants literally were pushing out everything else. You know, they were you know, leaching all the, the, the nutrients out of the soil, and turning it into something that these aliens would harvest. And then once that was done, the aliens would just basically go on to another planet. So theoretically, you could, you could outlast these aliens on this planet. So, uh, but uh, they, uh, they had these little robot helpers that would run around looking for pests as in humans and other things, and would, like, laser them. So this could be a situation where you as a team were going in to try to help the survivors, you know, who might have been, you know, hit up in the the middle of one of these these kinds of things. Other people would be in charge of, of eradicating the plants or making some kind of a treaty with the aliens. But then in the meantime, you'd still be going in there to you know, help the people that were trying to survive in the middle of this onslaught, biological onslaught. So, okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the fungus, yes. There's a fungus among us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, going and thinking about, you know, now this is going to vary, of course, depending upon the genre you're playing in. Okay, and... You know, we, we like, you know, and if you're playing a game like Fringeworthy, where you have high-tech people going into, like, a relatively medium or low-tech world, then, you know, you're going to have a lot of, 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 of great gear to bring with you, okay? But, you know, that's not always the case. You know, you could just as easily be a bunch of people in a D&D campaign or other types of situations like that. Uh, you and you're a bunch of EMTs uh, as a matter of fact the end of um, uh, rogue 417 that's kind of what you're supposed to do you're supposed to be guarding supply these these government labeled boxes which turned out to hold the serum against the plague uh, and but no, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to give it out to people or you are going hold on to them so that they can be given to the right people so you know that that's kind of goes into what are your you know what's what's what are the marching orders, what, uh, the the orders of engagement for your team? So let's talk about that. Uh, you know when you when you cre- create an EMT team, all right? You know you get your your people together, your players together, and they get to say, all right, what roles am I going to be playing in this? All right. So what roles do you think are important?
1: You need a combat driver.
0: Okay, and th- this is uh, this is assuming your you're you're talking. Uh, are you talking about vehicles? Or are you talking about somebody who can like run ru- uh, uh run a chariot or what? What are we talking about?
1: Well, it, depending on again your setting and whether you're coming from high tech or low tech, but you need somebody who can get a a vehicle, whether it's you know a horse and buggy or your high tech you know hover flyer, and can get it around obstacles and potentially hostiles like looters or raiders trying to get your gear so you can get your cargo and your people where they need to be, when they need to be there. Because
0: a lot of these kinds of situations, there are dangerous ground that you have to travel over. So having somebody who can navigate around those, air quotes, hot spots, so you can get to where you actually have decided to provide, uh, you know, provide treatment aid, you know, and possibly helping people, um, evacuate, uh, that's, you know, that it's important to have people who can, you know, take that kind of responsibility and have those kinds of skills. So, uh, what are the, uh, uh not that we're going to go into equipment right now, but when you think about this, what kind of vehicles come to mind that you'd want to be a driver for?
2: Depends on the setting. If it's going to be modern, you're going to want... Either a good ambulance driver. If you are flying into like, oh, we have to go to this, you know, deep into the the country to go, you're probably going to want a good chopper pilot or, you know, airplane pilot. If it is a some type of futuristic game, a sh- um, medical shuttle, you're going to need. If it's like a start, like a medical starship, you're going to need good helm and navigator to get you into the system to where. You know, okay, this planet is going through a pandemic. We have to get the supplies to them. We need to get there at you know hyperspace factor twenty. You know, it
0: it depends. We might have to to avoid uh, the uh, the native government, which might not be taking kindly to our interference. Yeah,
2: and also you got to you know get through the asteroid field, the radiation field, and the hyperspace anomaly. Yeah, at the same
0: time. Yeah, I hate when that happens.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the a driver just depends on what type of setting or it could be just somebody a teamster, you know somebody who's good with a horse and buggy. We got to get these medical supplies into this town and it's a day's ride and you know get the reins and the bits and the bridles, get the horses. We're going going cross country you know just but yeah, usually somebody who their job is transport as quickly and efficiently as possible. Whatever right. the conveyance.
0: Okay, uh, I'm thinking, If I think into more of a fantasy situation, you might, you know, uh, uh, rugs of flying, because uh, that allows you not only to bring in yourself, but also equipment, and possibly even evacuate people out of an area. You know, because wings of flying are nice. You know, fly spells are nice, but they, uh, you know, they, they they usually don't help large groups of people. You know, of course, the ultimate thing would be if you had some kind of a, uh, you know, uh, cloud castle, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because then you've got you know, a whole hospital up there, and you can basically come down and provide the aid and then go return to it, which is going to be outside, uh, in a fancy setting, is usually going to be outside the range of most ground-based, um, uh, you know, interfering factors and will give you also respite if you're like in the middle of you know if if, if the entire countryside is covered with fire or something like that, it gives you some place that isn't covered with fire so it's it's nice to always have those kinds of things all right um uh i you know I think that uh uh what would what I think would be a really great thing for a more of a near future or futuristic thing is drones. Uh, because right now they, I've seen a number of commercials uh, about how in the future when you call an ambulance, what's going to happen is there's going to be like a an EMT, you know, in a pod kind of helicopter thing, and this is going to come and land on your front doorstep, and he's going to get out and go over and, uh, and 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 get you into the pod by whatever means are necessary, and then they're just going to fly you, you know, and then he can either stay there if more things are needed, and he'll fly you, you know, back to the hospital, and he can continue to provide aid on the site, okay, and and then, of course, send more of these pods back for him to provide more aid. You know, so the actual transportation doesn't require an actual driver as long as a human driver. It could be an AI type of driver or just fly-by-wire tracking in on, a signal being broadcast by our EMT. Okay, so driver's going to be really important. If you can't get in there, if you can't get out, uh, not going to last very long as a team, right? Right. Okay. right. You don't want to be that guy, you know, in, in the movie Lost in Space, where he's, dri- he's, he's driving you know, the ship through the center of the planet. <laughs> Though, of course, if you have to drive through the center of the planet, you want that pilot. <laughs> uh, Do- uh, uh, Don West was a a, a very impressive uh, pilot in that movie. But uh, all right, uh, what other roles, uh, uh,
1: Jonathan? You're going to need a, a a site director, someone on at the site who can organize all your efforts. Who says you go here, you go here, you go get me this, you help these people, you you know somebody. You're going to need somebody in charge, right? Somebody who can see the the picture and and. Work out what needs to be done and when and by who.
0: Right, because depending upon the situation, the needs of uh, uh, of the response team are going to vary. So you know if you're if you're on a uh, someplace where the air is bad, then you're going to need to make sure that uh, you know you have the right kind of uh, uh, you know you set up the right you know the, the right kind of enclosures, You know, airtight, preferably, possibly fireproof. You know, you might need to put up. Uh, you, know, you might have, have to set up some kind of a uh, fencing around the site to so you have an area where you can provide aid without being constantly uh, interrupted by uh, you know, hordes of mutant um, uh, uh, raccoons <laughs> you know, or triffids because <laughs> if you recall again, the, the triffids, they just they, they hear noise and they just keep coming and coming and coming and you could theoretically empty entire country, you know, or zombies. Same thing. Triffin's zombies, they're essentially the same thing. They moved about the, the same way. They had the same kind of gate. <laughs> so, yeah, you need somebody who essentially can design um, and, you know, uh, the, the site, you know, to make sure that all the right equipment is there for what you need. And they're, they're going to be really important ahead of time. They're going to be the ones that essentially uh, you know the, before you leave say okay we're, you know, we're going to need you know pods 567 and f you know like in the thunderbirds you know where they always seem to have exactly the right gear in that one pod that they just slide into thunderbird 2 and they take
2: off ah uh, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah i was always amazed at how how well how well designed those pods were
2: Well, also, you're you're talking about planning, okay, I see A, B, C, D, and E, these factors, okay, we need these things sent there. Also, they need to be able to think on the fly, because a lot of these disasters, things can change in an instant, like a massive Mm -hmm. firestorm. Fire is a fickle mistress. All of a sudden, this fire... Oh, you know, a wind came out of nowhere, and now the fire is heading this way. We need now this, this, and this, and they need to be able to assess changes at a moment's notice.
0: Right. It's a leadership position. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You have you have to be willing to say, "Hey, it's time for us to leave," or "Be no, we're we're not going to do, go over there and help those people. We're going to help these people over here because the." The, the the EMTs themselves are 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 going to be too close. You know they're going to be like you know well you know why why are these people better you know you know you know why should we help these people and not help those people? Is they don't have the over you know the, the 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 high high level knowledge that says we can do more good by doing it this way than just by helping anybody we come across.
1: Prioritize and that's that could that's a really thankless job. You know oh yeah the uh no one likes the disaster relief after about the first day first day they see', him, oh great, you're here, we love you after that, it's all why aren't you doing more yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: how come you how come you you saved my wife but but let my daughter die,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: it's like and they're like, well, you, yeah. I mean, it could be a thousand reasons, but none of them are gonna matter to the uh person who's uh, now suffering grief, so yeah so that site director is uh and, you know and we we're, and, and we're not talking about things like um, you know guards and things like that that's that's kind of uh you know uh outside the role of this because uh, i i figure if they're there if you need them then they're just there okay i i don't think that the uh, uh the, that as playing an adventure i don't think that should be you know deeply involved you know, it should be kind of like, and we're sending Delta Squad along with you, you know, to in case anybody tries to steal your, uh, your your supplies. Because of course, you know that one of the biggest problems we have in all the aid that we do for other countries is the local warlords, strongmen, whatever you want to call them, try to steal the supplies that we're bringing in to help people, so that they can resell them on the black market yeah. and make money. Yeah. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing, you know. So, you know, there there is going to be some need for security, uh, assuming you can't just target into the, uh, the the exactly what you need. This is where Star Trek has it so much better than everything else. That transporter, it's like uh, my equipment is right here, <laughs> and unless they literally go to the site where the, the all the ba- you know they just swarm you where you're trying to help them, the the people that are you know. Then it's Uh, it's really, you know, it's really hard to go and interrupt that supply chain, right? So, okay. Uh, I listed a warehouse manager and procurement because, you know, it's really, really easy to go and throw everything plus the kitchen sink at a problem and basically waste resources uh, or use more resources than can do any good. and somebody who's the warehouse manager, they're not really they're they're not deciding what you know uh, how you know, what treatments are going to be used and things like that. That's really up to the EMTs. It's really more along the lines of well, we only have you know two thousand doses of this. Okay, so if you go into an area that has five thousand people with this problem and you only cure two thousand of them. Um, What's going to happen then? You know, so, and that's where the second part of procurement comes in, because they're also going to be in charge of uh, replacing, you know, expended supplies, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, calling for a resupply from a ship, uh, you know, setting up some kind of supply run from places outside the area of of, of danger, uh, uh, you know, or even. Some kind of uh, nano uh, bot manufacturing plant, kind of thing. Because, I mean, that supposedly there are ma- uh, nanobot makers that can make anything that you want. The problem is, is that, you know, there's always something more. You know, you're never going to have enough of them. Okay. You know, there's never going to be enough makers, you know, to,
1: if to get If nothing else, you, you need time. Be- can these makers make anything instantly, or do they need, like, you know, a day or a week to make something big, like a new, you know, purification filter for the, the local irrigation stream? So, yeah, e- even time is a resource that this person's going to have to manage.
0: Right, right. So, but I'm just saying is that they're they're going to be the ones that are, you know, in charge of, of making sure that the uh, supply lines you know, are, are, are being effective. Oh yeah.
2: And it it is important as somebody, hi, waving my hand here, even though this is an audio medium, someone who's worked in the warehouse field now for the better part of 30 years, procuring the supplies you need, whether it is auto parts or now in my current case, wood moldings for interior design, you have to make sure that your supply chains are up to date, correct on time, and, you know, warehouse manager also has to deal. Now, if you have nanotech, if you've got things that can make it on the site, yeah, all you need to worry about is time and having the – prop. but still, you need the resources, and you have to keep things under cost because, you know, they still have to – this warehouse for this – it's still a business. You still have to make sure, okay, we need to be able to have the – you know, let's say it's like some UN-based team, like in Fringeworthy. Yeah, UNITA is still part of the United Nations. They still have to deal with funding, especially in the early campaign, deal with funding from their member countries. Yeah, and that so warehouse if you're spending
0: a million dollars a day on on supplies. Uh, you know your your uh, one hundred you know million dollar you know funding package might run out quicker than you think.
2: So that warehouse manager has to make sure that they get everything that they need. On time, enough of it, where it works, because you don't want, you got to make sure that, okay, well, if it's faulty, we got to get, you know, stuff to replace it. Because a few years ago, we had um, flu vaccines that were messed up, and it totally jacked up. I think it was like three, four years ago, the during the winter flu season, just a whole batch of vaccines were bad for one reason or another. I forget why. But still, they had to scramble to sit there and try to get vaccine to distribute to, you know, Excuse me, all the drugstores and everything so older people and and whatnot could get their yearly flu shot. So, yeah, being a warehouse manager, that at times is probably going to be as stressful, if not more, than the people who are on site dealing with the disasters. The warehouse manager has to make sure that the people on site have the supplies they need to do their job properly. Mm-hmm. And and as I said, I mean, as I said, I've been in the warehouse Industry since 1993, and yeah, I can see why a lot of them got gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and sometimes you know the warehouse manager has to tell people things like, "Hey, you know, you're going to have to cut down on your usage of this because you're overloading our supply chain. You know, we can't give you, you know, and in- uh, I, you know, I know you want to uh, wrap up everybody like a mummy who's been burned. Okay, but we don't, you know, we don't have the supplies to wrap and unwrap, you know, and, and change the bandages.
2: Yeah, it takes time to grow cotton for the gauze. You have to, yeah. If I,
0: <laughs> yeah, and and maybe you say, you know, have you tried using this this uh, uh, this artificial skin stuff that you just paint on, like you're painting on, like you're using uh, a rubber cement. And it turns into basically a bandage that doesn't require, you know, being changed. You know, have you tried this stuff? You know, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, he says that's not, you know, our, uh, that's not the way I was trained. And are like, well, you need to do it yeah. because we have a lot, we got a lot more of this stuff than we have of, you know, gauze bandages. So you know, you need to, you know, and and maybe go over their heads and and say, hey, you know, to the site manager and say, look. You know, they, they've got to, you know, concentrate on using these materials. I'm, I'm
2: sending you like, this. This is what you're using. Deal with it. And yeah. the people on site, they may be like, okay, this guy's you know, busting my chops because we need this. He wants us to use this. Right. Yeah, and there's going to be head heads butting and everything. And just also, you know, things like you're using up all this penicillin. It does take time for mold to grow. We can't get more. You're going to need to use something else or find another way because you yeah, only yeah. have this much of A you need to use B. Oh, no, warehouse manager, the supply, a supply manager, quartermaster, whatever you want to call them. No, they are very yeah. important, and that job is stressful.
0: Right, because they spend a lot of time telling people no. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, now one of the things that I listed was cook. OK, there's there's probably a better term for it, but this person is essentially in charge of providing the refreshment and and the sustenance sustenance of the team. Okay, because, you know, you you drop a bunch of people into a really high stress environment, uh, they're going to burn through a lot of stuff, you know, personal resources very, very quickly. And they're going to need to be able to maintain that, all right. So that means you have to provide, you know, food that is easily prepared. Uh, po- hopefully can be, you know, replaced from, you know, uh, local supplies, you know. Uh, so therefore he has to work with the, uh, uh with the warehouse manager, okay. But also, you know, is specifically uh, ordered toward. Of the the various disaster that is at hand. So, for example, is is that you know if you if you got people that are fight you know out there trying to help people in the middle of a fire, you're going to have to provide a lot more water, you know, a lot more drinks for them to be consuming. Okay, not is than you would if they were, for example, just trying to take care of people, a cholera infection, you know, a cholera plague. So, uh, likewise, um, you might have, you know, some of these things, it's like, well, if we can do this within the next 48 hours, then we will have broken the back of this 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 plague, and we'll be able to do, you know, the locals will be able to start taking control uh, of this situation, okay? That might mean that you need to start giving these people stimulants. Uh, you know, they might need some, uh, a lot of coffee or, you know, various chemi- other chemical substances that are, uh, understood and, and, and meterable so that they can keep going. You know, uh, some books had like stims, they called them. Yeah. You know, and you could jab yourself with them and keep going and it, re- it replaced sleep for a while. Okay. Is basically what it said, you know, and or you have somebody who's had some minor injuries and so they suffer some blood loss. OK, uh, if you you know, you can you might, uh, you know, they, they they might need some 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 stimulant, you know, uh, to just basically uh, help their body not go into shock. Because when you go into shock, the, what happens is that the blood vessels in your body open up. You don't have enough blood in your body to fill all your blood vessels. It basically turns it on and off on a regular basis, completely without you having to pay any attention to it. But when you get into a situation where you're in shock, then they have a tendency to just open up. And that's why people go into shock and die from shock. Okay, so... A lot of you know things like epinephrine and other things like that those basically cause those blood vessels to constrict which means that you know your blood pressure goes up which is good for keeping the blood flowing it also means that they're not you know getting you know uh, you know it, it might reduce the amount of bleeding out and small injuries and such so those that's you know so these chemicals these you know medically necessary supplies are are great in the short term okay, you know, you're going to have to make sure that they don't keep taking them, though, because in the long term, they're going to crash. Human bodies aren't designed to take massive amounts of stimulation, no matter what the coffee manufacturer is Right, claim. yeah. So, yeah, so a cook has to, you know, basically it's your, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, someone who's trying to, uh, you know, turn a uh, a weed-infested lawn into a beautiful green, you know, thing. And you're going to have to, you know, beef certain things up, spot to handle other things, and cooking is, is really important for that. You know, it's also a huge psychological support for the people that are not only injured, but also the people who are trying to care for them. I mean, just, you know, someone shoving a, a cup of, of, of broth in your hand when you're cold or you're tired or something like that can really, really focus you, you know, help you focus and get your head back in the game. Oh
2: no, I, that- I, I can relate to this entirely. And it, it concerns the birth of my daughter. When Shelly was born, those of you who know about childbirth know that not just the baby comes out. We will not get technical. It's that if you know, you know. All three of us here are dads, we know. And so I i can honestly say it is the first time I almost fainted. I had two nurses catch me, back me up, sit me in a chair, put a cup of berry juice in my hand, drank it down, snapped me back. I was able to get back and, okay, be there with Shelly's mother and all that. And I will say this to this day, 28 years later. That cup of berry juice at St. Joseph's Hospital in Ann Arbor is the best thing I've ever drank to this day.
1: <laughs>
2: so, yes, little things like that you need now, this, right every, every little thing counts like that when you're in, in, well, for me, stressful, as I said, I'm. it's the only time I almost fainted. Obviously, the mom was going through much more stress than I was, but it's a matter of scale. It's a matter of perspective. And just, yeah, so little things like that, the person who has sustenance and refreshment on this team, not only to give to the responders, but OK, here's water, you know, because of this fire. You know, we got you out of there. Here's water, you know, just clean that water. That first sip of water is like a godsend. And so that mm-hmm. cook will use for
0: those parched lips.
2: Yeah. And just they're as much a godsend as the person who repelled in and pulled me out of the flaming building, you know.
0: Because there's nothing worse than saving somebody and having them die. Well, yeah. Because they're, like I said, they go into shock or, you know, you don't, you can't provide the aftercare for them that they need. You know, so say this is something happening in the winter or in the middle of a storm where people are suffering from exposure. Yeah. Okay, if you're not prepared to provide them with the support they need after you rescue them, you might as well not have even rescued them.
2: Yeah. And it's those little things like if it's in, in a winter situation. Cup of coffee or hot tea or hot chocolate. Just yeah, get get, you know, some feeling in you. You know, it's more mental care than physical, but still it, you know, it matters. Oh. Yeah, we'll cook. That that that's fine. Just and now I'm thinking of Tracy Walters from uh City Slickers. <laughs> I got plenty of food. it's brown, hot, and there's plenty of it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Brown, hot, and plenty. Yeah, of yeah, well. yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said for that. Oh,
2: no. And the other line is, Lord, we give you curly. Try not to piss him off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you right now that my, uh, my first experience with um, a chocolate malted milkshake almost ended in disaster. Oh, wow. Because I just come home from getting my uh, tonsils out, and. My grandfather, who thought he made the best chocolate malt milkshake in the world, uh, unbeknownst to me, by the way, puts this thing together, puts it into like a big water glass, okay, and he comes over and pres- with a big smile on his face presents me this sludge in a glass, okay, <laughs> with white things floating around in it, you know, and foamy stuff like you know stuff that's been like laying around too long and and like you know here drink this and i'm like oh hell no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like <laughs> cuz i was like yeah you know, yeah 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 just had my tonsils out and uh he was so hurt he was so hurt that i would spurn his his uh his tour de force drink that i i was supposed to just take it and say this is the best thing i ever had my mom finally convinced me to take a sip of it. She just really had to say, look, he says, do you really think, he says, what's the problem? What's the problem? I said, granddad is trying to get me to drink mud. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, do you really think your granddad is going to make you drink mud right after you get out of the hospital? And I'm like, I don't know. It looks like mud. <laughs> I don't want to think this, but the evidence is before me. Yeah. She says, just just take take a sip. And put it. It's a little bit in your mouth. If you don't like it, you can spit it out. And so, of course, I take one sip of it. You know, it's cold. That's an indication. It's probably not mud. You know, because it was this was summertime. Yeah. And uh, you know, and, it, and then of course it hit my. You know, the sugary goodness of it. You know, hit my tongue, and I'm like, this is not mud. Okay. <laughs> and I started drinking it, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And he's just like. Oh. Thanks, son, yeah. grandson. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who was the biggest baby there—me or him. I was, was very, very disgruntled. So you know, it's it, you know. Uh, somebody is. Uh, it, it, you know, presentation helps with that cooking. Oh, by yeah, the way, yeah. You know, <laughs> if they mm-hmm. think you're trying to feed them mud or poison food, or I mean, we've seen this right in movies where someone says, "No, don't eat the red stuff. It's poison." <laughs> like, no, it's it's uh, it's beets. <laughs> it doesn't taste great, but it's still food. <laughs> I, I'm not a big beet fan, by the way. It's just uh, you know, rhubarb is another red food that I'm like ah, but people like swear on the pies that that they make out of it. So I don't know. So yeah, uh, the the cook the cook can be a great uh, uh engage in psychological support. Yeah, you know, and we didn't include in this list, by the way, anybody who was in charge of uh like psychologists. Oh, yeah, we, like trauma know, counselors uh, and all that. Yeah, uh, trauma counselors. counselors. There, might, there might be a need for that, you know? So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, the, uh, uh, and, and, and like they can take various forms, of course, you know, the, uh, um, uh, you know, they, they can be uh, mothering types that just, you know, just hug you and, 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 and ask you questions about your family and just let you get the trauma out in the open. You know, where you can deal with it rather than just trying to be the tough guy that just, you know, holds it in because he doesn't want to, he or she doesn't want to think about what they've lost because then you're going to lose it entirely. But, you know, this person provides a safe place for them to lose it entirely and then they can start recovering from it because there's a lot of walking wounded in these kinds of situations. Oh, yeah. I,
2: I have a friend of mine. Matter of fact, the therapist that got me my therapist uh, got me my diagnosis. Her name is Natalie. Wonderful woman, therapist for twenty five years, and she has done things like have to be a crisis counselor. at, you know, like oh, there's been a shooting on an auto plant in such and such in Michigan. She's had to go on site and counsel the people, you know, who were there and saw, you know, like a disgruntled former employee come in and spray and pray, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not an easy job being a crisis yeah. counselor. I mean, she's told me of, you know, uh, you know without getting too detailed. She's told me about some of the stuff that she's had to do and this is another reason why therapists have therapists. And just no, they the crisis counselors, grief counselors, uh up here in Michigan recently we had the Oxford high shooting. I'm sure you two have heard of it. And they had, you know, crisis counselors going in there because there are, you know, hundreds of students who watched, you know, these these now four children die, sadly, and others were injured and they saw it all. And mm-hmm. just crisis counselor. I would put that under lots of EMT specialists. I, I would. Look, okay. Yeah, because.
1: Yeah, they're, they're treating an injury that isn't physical.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just but it has but it has physical effects,
1: oh yeah oh, oh yeah
0: yeah, yeah, I mean you know peop uh you know people like this they they've broken down completely and been unable to even care for themselves, you know they've gone you know the, into such deep depressions that you know anxiety
2: p t s d yeah all of that
0: oh yeah, all that can really really take you out yeah. you know so um uh, yeah the uh you know, and, and, and like I said, that kind of help, you know, can take a lot of different forms. But, you know, going back to, you know, like, you know, the first thing that you, you, these kind of counselors they go in and the people look at them and they say, how can you help us? You weren't here. You didn't go through what we went through. Okay. And, you know, outside of the, oh, yeah, I did because, you know, I went through this or that, you know, so the person who always seems to have a worse life than you, you know. <laughs> I personally hate those people. <laughs> it's like it, it, you're it's like you're undermining the validity of my pain. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so but what instead it's not a competition. You know, what what they can say is is that no, I wasn't here, but I can help you talk about it. I can help you come to grips with it by you telling me what happened. Okay, and that's like one of their number one things is to get people to actually express you know, what happened to them personally and help them get a a handle on what happened to them. Because
2: the more you talk through a painful or traumatic event, how can I put this, the less emotional charge it holds on you, the more you bring it out in the open, the more you tell your story about whatever event, a disaster, abuse, an accident, whatever. Right. The more it makes sense to you. Yeah and you can help rationalize it more and work it out in your head, both consciously and subconsciously.
0: Sure. Right. It's a different way of looking at gaming than a lot of people are used to. And it can be very, very fulfilling, uh, but it's going to take some effort. So, make your, you know, uh, create your characters well, make them flexible, you know, find a role that you want to play in this EMT team, and, you know, let, let the awesomeness happen, because if you're good players, creative, and flexible, it's going to come, and, and uh, it's going to come to your rescue as you go to their rescue. So, thanks for all for joining us, and we're going to have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called Gaming.